right. He has brought us this far and we can only say thank you to him and thank you for his provision and grace and how he has provided. As I was preparing this morning, I was thinking about 2016 in my life. 2016 was like any, unlike any other year I've ever lived. The year began, my father passed away um, after battling several years of dementia and then having to learn how to, to be a different kind of son to my mom. She had always been the one that provided love, support to us, and now all of a sudden she needed us to walk beside her. The year didn't go very long into it, and then I fell one evening and busted my head open, wound up in emergency surgery, had a colostomy for three months, had to go back to surgery after that three months, and then on top of that, I had in 2016 sitting at two different red lights, one as soon as just Thursday, people forgot their car had brakes, and um, they hit me from behind. The one this week hit me from behind and knocked me into the car in front of me. And uh, the people in that car knew words that I did not even know existed. <laughs> I was like, holy cow, I'm going to be preaching Sunday. You need to come to church. <laughs> Woo. But, you know, but when we go through those things, those unexpected things, we do recognize, we do know that when God says, I don't leave you, I don't forsake you. I am the friend that sticks closer than a brother. We begin to understand that in ways that we could never understand if we didn't walk through the valleys sometimes. Speaking of praying for people, um, this week at Mount Zion, Miss Tundra's mom passed away. She had been battling with cancer, but she passed away unexpectedly, not from the cancer. Her funeral is this Wednesday at 11 o'clock here at Mount Zion. We are going to provide a meal for the family. And so Mount Zion, we need to help. We need, we need food. You can bring it Tuesday afternoon. You can bring it Wednesday morning. The meal will be at 3 o'clock Wednesday. Um, you can call the church office for details. Miss Altry was in charge of that um, and may still be. But yesterday afternoon, her aunt fell off the porch and passed away from that fall. And so... She also is dealing with death and grief, and we need to be praying for those families as well, okay? And all a lot of different things going on in our life. So, why am I telling you that we need to anchor 2017 on Christ? Because we do not know, as this video told us, we do not know what this year will bring us, but we do know who was already in 2017 before it even began. And we can, and by all means, put our hope in Him. Proverbs 1-7 says this, Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Proverbs 17-24 says, Wisdom is in the sight of him who has understanding, but the eyes of a fool are on the ends of the earth. What is that verse saying? What are those verses teaching us? That an intelligent person, a godly person, a surrendered person surrendered to Christ puts their eyes on Jesus because they know in the word that it says that he is the author of our faith and he is the finisher of our faith. 
So many times when we get to this time of year and we start thinking about resolutions and the things that we want to see happen, I know at least in my life that I begin to address the symptoms and not the real issue. What do I mean? I want to lose weight. I don't, and so I address, I'm not going to eat this or that or something else. And then that's a symptom of a greater need that that food is fulfilling. And I need to go to Christ and I need to say, God, what's the real need in me right now? What is it that is driving me to this place where I need to seek relief or release in something other than you? Resolutions, wonderful things to have. Habits, we all have them. We have good habits, we have bad habits, right? If you look up the word habit in a dictionary, most all of them will give you, it's a clothing worn by a priest. Over time it progressed to mean that a habit was a a pattern of behavior that was a reflection of a character of a person. The Bible is interwoven with this same comment that your habits characterize your character. Now I don't like that. I'm going to be honest with you. I want to say that my habits are just little things that happen in my life that really aren't who I am. But the truth is they are. They are who I am. And who I am and those habits, I need to check them and take them to Christ and do as David would have said, God, search me, try me, show me. In in these habits, are there things that are not pleasing to you? You see, because as a follower of Christ... As one who has accepted the blood of Jesus as payment for sin and said, God, I not only want you to keep me from hell, but I want you to be my Lord. I now need to filter that life and lifestyle through Him. And let Him pattern me. Let Him habit me, if you will. You see, because a habit is either a cork and it pulls you up. Or it's a piece of lead and it pulls you down. And we all have those things in our lives. But what God is saying to you as a blood-bought child of God, I want to give you the habits. I want to clothe you in Christ. And as I clothe you in myself, I want to lift you up so that you begin to reflect the character of God Almighty, Jesus Himself. Jesus said, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You say... Well, talk to me more about this habit. Show me places in Scripture that you could understand that. Well, in 2 Kings 17, don't turn there because I'm just going to spout, spout these out right quick. In 2 Kings 17, it says that a habit can be beneficial or profitable. In 2 Kings 21, it says that a habit can be evil or destructive. In 2 Chronicles 17, it says that habits can be passed down from generation to generation. If you don't have a kid that can drive yet, Just wait till you have one and then watch how they drive. They drive just like Gail. (laughs) Not the way I drive. No, it's like stop, start, stop, start, stop, start. Why did you cut in front of me? They pick them up. We pass them down for generation to generation. In Job 17... It says that good habits reflect God's character. Um, Job 22 says good habits strengthen our character. Titus 3 says that good habits are a choice. Second Tim- I mean, 1 Timothy 5 says habits are a learned behavior. 
Hebrews 3 says one habit can lead to other bad habits. You know, somebody else said one bad apple can spoil the whole bunch. Yeah. 2 Peter 2 says hearts are led astray by habits. Hebrews 13 says as Christians we are equipped to overcome bad habits. Now that one there, we need to understand that as a believer, one who has been um, purchased... By the blood of Christ, we cannot sit here today and say, I am incapable of overcoming. I just can't get over this. This is greater than I am. No, that is to call God and His Word a lie. Because He said, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. In another place, He would say that you, have, you are more than a conqueror. You have been given the ability to be an overcomer. So as we approach 2017, we do not need to approach it with the defeated attitude, but we need to approach it with the victorious mindset that Christ in me will meet every need that I have. Christ in me can supply what I need, and He can cause me to be a reflection of His character. Now, it would be just like sculpting. Or whittling, you know what that is, a knife in your hand and a piece of wood. And from that piece of wood, you carve out something. God may have to carve. God may have to bring people into your life that smooths off the rough edges. God may have to bring situations into your life that put you flat of your back so that you need to listen to Him and stop for a moment. But embrace those times and say, God, I receive them. Because I know that you're working together for my good. I know that you're working to transform my character. God, let me, let me see what you want to do. In the life of our church, which by the way, this Wednesday night, write it down, mark it down, put it on your mirror, your refrigerator, whatever you have to do. This Wednesday night, 6.30, we're going to be in this room and we're going to be praying to God for His wisdom, provision, understanding about what we need to do with our land and loan. We have a corner that somebody wants to buy that we need to sell. We have everything in place, but we cannot get it to close because of different negotiations with county and different things like that. We've got 24 months to do that. We need the hand of God to deliver us just as He did the children of Israel into the promised land. This Wednesday night, 6.30 in this room, everybody that will come, can come, make it a priority as we seek God for our church. But you see, when we're Powered by the pull of our habits. Especially our bad habits. We need to embrace and we need to understand that 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 is a deception from Satan himself. Colossians 1.17 says that we have Christ in us to win the victory. That means if we yield ourselves to be pulled down by the negative habit, we pull down the name of Christ With us. We're not born with habits. We learn habits. We Velcro them to our lives. And then we allow them to shape us. So habits are there. Um, So how do we go past those? What are the truths in scripture that we can find out? The other day. At her job, Gail had a co-worker that was going through a difficult time. And she felt led by God to, to write down some verses that God had, had made 
apparent to her when she was going through difficult times or challenges or struggles. Verses that God had used to comfort her, to encourage her, to calm her, to strengthen her. In fact, in your worship bulletin, if you have this bookmark on the back of those verses, this is where I'm going to camp out this morning. If you don't have a um, bulletin or bookmark, uh, raise your hand if you don't have one yet. We have several. Russell, uh, could you run back and maybe get the ushers to help us pass those out, please? Um, and then we'll be able to make sure that everybody has that. I'll tell you what I'd like to do now, because we were going to do it, but this is just a good moment to do it. I want to stop and pray for Miss Autry. I want to stop and pray for Tim and Tondra and their family. So please join me now in doing that. Father, we thank you that you have taught us that, that we are more than conquerors to you. We, you have taught us that we can survive and thrive in situations. But Lord, you've also taught us that in certain moments it's okay to grieve. It's okay to, to weep, to cry. So Father, this morning we pray specifically for Tondra and her family. Is there grieving the unexpected death of her mom? Lord, we thank you that Miss Alceline knew you that she was a follower, that her faith was solid, and that she is healed now in the presence, in your presence. And Lord, we thank you that you have given us your, yourself. Lord, we pray for Miss Autry and her family as they also are grieving. God, that you would be their help in a time of trouble. God, in the next days we have people preparing for treatment. Lord, we pray for for Raul as he faces surgery on the 10th. We pray for Amy as she faces um, radiation coming up in just days ahead. And God, there are others that are going through um, things. For James and Gertie's daughter, she continues to heal from surgery for cancer. And I'm sure as I'm praying that God has laid people on your mind. Would you just take them before the Lord right now? God, I thank you that we have a family that we can pray with. That we have a living, loving, powerful God that we can pray to. And that you're already working on our behalf. We thank you for that in Christ's name. Amen. If you don't have a worship bulletin or outline, if you'll uh, bookmark, if you'll raise your hand, hold it high so that they can find you. And we'll get those to you. told you in Proverbs 1.7 that the beginning of wisdom is fear of worship, of regarding God is truly awesome. Today marks the start of a new year. Along with it, fresh hopes, opportunities. And we see from even the very first verse in Scripture, Genesis 1.1, that all powerful beginnings come from God. All fulfilling things in our life. He is the author of those things. So this morning we want to ask him through his word to teach us how to look, how to draw strength from him in 2017. The first one you'll find is on your outline. is Psalm 91.1. Psalm 91.1 says to us this. Choose to dwell in the shelter of the Most High. 
so that you will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. The unknown author of this psalm is used two powerful names for God, Elyon and El Shaddai. Elyon says that he is the living God, the one who owns everything, the, the mighty one. And El Shaddai says that he is the provider. So I want you to understand, the living God, the one who is saying that I want you to dwell in my shadow, I want you to dwell in my shelter, he says, I am the living God and I am the giving God. I own it and I want to provide it for you. So when you approach 2017, as you begin your life, as you begin to say, God, this is a new year, a new way, remember this, God, all-powerful, wants to give good gifts to you. Call on Him. Dwell in His presence. Let Him be there. Two days before my last surgery, as Gail was having moments of praying or or God speaking to her, He said to her, It's going to be okay. You're in my shelter. You're in my shadow. Now hear me. It was not a promise that I was going to come out of that surgery on the other side, healthy and happy. But it was a promise that whatever you face, I am enough. Listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. So many times we're coming to God as, as the one who carries the bag of goodies on his back. And we come to him and say, God, I want you to save me, but not, God, I want to surrender all that I am to you. Not that I want to give you all of me. And God says, I'm your provider. God says, I'm the one who has it. And when you dwell in my shelter, when you get under my umbrella, umbrella, not umbrello, umbrella, he says, I guard you. So this morning, as we approach 2017, Next, in this coming year, may you choose to dwell in the shelter of the Most High. If you want to start a 2017 prayer list, God, show me what it means to dwell in the shelter. Teach me what it means to be your person. But look at this. It also says in Exodus 14, 14, Be still and trust the Lord to fight for you. And we've got to set the stage there. Because this is Exodus 14. This is them coming out of Egypt. This is them having gone through the plagues. This is them having done battle with the Pharaoh, not wanting to let them go. And finally he says, I release you. And they are marching out of Egypt. They are marching towards the promised land. Some two million Hebrew people led by Moses. And they are going. And somewhere in that process, Pharaoh changes his mind and said, Why did I let those people go? And he says, Get on the chariots, get the spears, get the swords. Y'all go after them. And the army got in hot pursuit. And so they are going and they're thinking, we're going to make it. We're going to get there. And all of a sudden, they come to the edge of this sea, the Red Sea. And they go, the Egyptians are behind us. The sea is in front of us. Surely we're doomed. And Moses calls out to God and says, tells Moses, to, hey, stick that little stick in the water. And when he did, God made the way. He says, I will fight for you. I can give you two times in ministry 
where situations were not fair and things didn't seem like they were going to work out. But God said, be still. Behold and see the battles the Lord has won for you. You don't fight this battle. Let me fight it on your behalf. And God delivered. I want to tell you, that's what I hope we do on Wednesday night when we come together as a church. Is God, there's a battle in front of us. There's a sea that needs to be parted. There's a situation that's chasing us and it's gaining ground. But God, we will watch and see you deliver. And we will give you the glory. We will give you the honor. We will magnify your name. In all of this. But you see that's a corporate thing. But every one of us. Have in some form or fashion. Something chasing us. And a wall in front of us. Satan wants us to try to be clever. He wants us to try to manipulate. He wants us to try to. To orchestrate different things. And so many times when we do that. We miss. God. Deliverance. He says, dwell in my shadow. Dwell in my shelter. I will provide for you. He says to us that I will fight for you. The more impossible the situation of your life right now, the more you'll be able to see and recognize the deliverance of God. Don't run from those moments where God is all you have. Run to God and let him do that. But let's keep going because then he says in Zephaniah 3.17, Know that the Lord your God is with you, takes great delight in you, and his love will no longer rebuke you and will rejoice over you with singing. Do you hear that? He's going to take delight in you. It says that he will rejoice in you and that he is going to be over you with singing. Now, I don't know how God sings. But surely it's got to be good because he magnified it. He's the one that invented it. I just picture our children when they were little babies and we would hold them in our arms. And you know how you would do, rock a bye, baby, in the treetop, that kind of thing. And in you was this feeling of love. I think grandchildren are going to be like that too in 2017. Ought to be the year, I'm just telling y'all. I don't know, but I'm just hoping. Because I haven't sung to a grandchild yet, but I've sung to children. And I know that it's an amazing feeling to know that God entrusted you. And you're holding it. And he says that if, if an earthly father knows how to do what's good, imagine what God himself does. And he says, I will take delight in you. I will be over you. I will be singing. The question is, why is God so joyful? Again, you have to understand the context. He's made a covenant with the children of Israel. They have followed him. They have rebelled. They have followed him. They have rebelled. And he is looking forward prophetically to a time that all of the judgment upon Israel has ended. All of the enemies have been destroyed. Israel is safely in his presence and under his blessing. He's looking forward to the time when the Messiah will come and die on the cross. And even beyond that to the day that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords returns. And his deity and reign and rule and majesty are there and there is no more sin. 
God says, that's what I want for you. I want you to stay your eyes on me because I have something for you in the future that is worth it and good. Don't get swayed. Don't fall away. Trust me. I am yours. There's joy before the angels of God over a sinner who repents. There's joy over in heaven when the sinner who has repented is in obedience to God himself. God says there's a time coming. There's no more pain. There's no more hardship. It's for you. But keep on. Because he says in Deuteronomy 31.6 Believe the Lord your God will never leave you nor forsake you. In the context of this passage of scripture. They're on the edge of the promised land. Moses has been told by God that he cannot go into the promised land. And Moses is looking at them and saying, yes, I've led you. And yes, God used me. But it's not me that you really need. It's God that you need. Don't look to Jacob. Look to me. To Joshua, I'm sorry. Look to me. Let me be the one that delivers you. And let me tell you, in this day of instant answer, Google everything, social media, people rising up and saying, I've got the answers. It's so easy to put our eyes on anything other than God. And God says, I'm the one that does not leave you. I'm the one that does not forsake you. You need to put your trust in me. Not, not the UN, not the president, not the Congress, not the representatives, not the people around you. But God himself is the one that can take you safely home. Be strong and of good courage because the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you. Moses was a great man, but he was not God. And our answers and our hope need to be in Him. And then in Psalm 34, 4, it says, Seek the Lord because He will answer you. He will deliver you from all of your fears. One of my favorite people who give commentary on the Scripture is John Phillips. And John Phillips says this, David's mind goes back over the ordeal in Gath. When he first observed the Philistines eyeing him and muttering, this is the man who killed Goliath. Listen to me. When you think about David, you think about triumph. But I want to tell you that when he killed Goliath, it was a triumph, but it was also trouble because now he was a marked man. Everybody wanted him. They were wanting to take him out because if you can take out the one that's on top, guess who's on top? You are. And David says, trust God, seek the Lord. He will answer you. He will deliver you from your fears. They looked unto him and they were not ashamed. <laughs> seek the Lord. 34.5 says, look to him and be radiant. Psalm 34.5, be radiant when you do. Your face will never be ashamed. This moment in Gail's life came at a time when, when she was in a situation and God said, I'm the one that lifts your head. I'm the one that takes you. I'm the one who delivers you. Look to me. You don't have to be ashamed. Remember where David was. David had gone to Abimelech. David had told four lies. David had said, give me Goliath's sword. Give me this. Give me that. I got to get out of this situation. He had even pretended to be insane. And yet God in this moment says, David, it's all right. Trust in me. 
I will fight for you. He says that I will answer you. I will deliver you from your fears. Look to him and be radiant because when you do, you're not ashamed. And then in Psalm 34, 6, call on the Lord. He will hear you and save you out of all of your troubles. I love this because his mind has gone back there. He's, he was delivered. He had acted insane. He was praying in his soul, have mercy, Lord. Help me, save me, Lord. That is what David remembered. Instead of God rubbing it in his face, he took him and he said, I hold you up. Ladies and gentlemen, as we walk into 2017, there are going to be those moments where all we can do is say, God! But I think these scriptures take us to the place that says, trust Him. Psalm 37.1 says, fret not because of evildoers and be not envious toward wrongdoers. Again, I love what John Phillips said here. Fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity, for they shall be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. In the end, the evil man's harvest is not something to be envied. He is to be pitied, for his little day does not last very long. And now listen to me. It's very easy when things are not going my way to say, well, look what the evil person did. Sometimes people's actions are because they hurt. They're hurt. Hurting people hurt people. And God has said, I've given you all that you need. I don't need to look to Miss Pat for my identity. I don't need to have Gordon's approval to be approved by God. It says, I have approved you with an everlasting love. I have approved of you because I sent my son. And it says, if you trust in me, we need to evaluate as God brings people into our lives, God, is this somebody that I need to put up a guard against or God, is this somebody that I need to love through the situation? Because maybe they're the hurt one. But you hear me. Sometimes you're the evildoer. By your words or by your actions or by your attitudes. And I think that's why David would say, God, search me, know me, try me. See what's in me. So that I'm the giver of mercy. I'm the shower of love. I'm the one that reflects your character. In life. Trust in the Lord. Psalm 37, 3, 3 and 4 says. Trust in the Lord and do good. Cultivate faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord. So that he will give you. The desires of your heart. Have you ever had that moment that it was just you and God and there was hurt and there was betrayal and you had walked into a situation and you felt like nobody loves me, everybody hates me, I'm in this room and, and nobody wants me to be here or I'm in this situation and I just can't overcome it. God says, trust in me, do good. Cultivate faithfulness. Now, cultivate means to work, to till, to plant, to, to take the weeds out. It means to water, to fertilize, to nurture, so that you will get the fruit. He says, I want you to cultivate the faithfulness of 
following me, seeking me with all of your heart, acknowledging me with all your ways so that I can make your path straight. He says, I want you to have mercy and goodness and grace. He says, I want you to walk beside people as a faithful friend. He says, cultivate those things. He says, to delight yourself in the Lord. When we get to that idea of delight, it's the idea that, God, I want what you want for me. God, I want to obey you as you have said obey. I want to follow you as you've said follow. I don't want to put, I don't want to do the hokey pokey with God where I put my right foot in and it works for a little while and then I take my right foot out and then I put my left foot in and I take my left foot out. No, God doesn't want us to hokey pokey with him. He says to put your whole self in. You can turn about if you want to. But put your whole self in and don't jump out. God, you're doing it the way I want you to do it, so I'm in. Oh, God, you're not doing it the way I want you to do right now, so I'm going to jump out, and then I'm going to jump back in. No, that's not cultivating faithfulness. That's coming to God on your terms. You're still God. He's not God. And he says, no, you come to me this way. Bow down to me. Honor me. Revere me. Worship me. 2017 for us is the year of servanthood. Mark 10.45 says, The Son of Man did not come to, serve, to be served, but to serve, to give His life a ransom for many. We are going to seek ways in 2017 to serve our community, to serve our fellow man, to serve each other in this church. And let me tell you what it's going to do. It's going to be uncomfortable. Because if your mindset up to this point in your life has been, I go to church for what I can get, you're going to be a fish out of water. But if you come to church saying, I want to be like Christ. I want to look for the ways that I can use the talents He's given me, the mercy He's given me, the experiences He's given me so that others might know Him and see that He is good, then that is how we're going to live. We've got one Sunday in 2017 that we're not going to meet on Sunday morning at the church. We're going to divide up into teams and we're going to go find where people who don't go to church are. And we're going to serve them on that Sunday morning. We're going to look for ways to love them. We're going to, come, we're going to meet those people. We're going to invite them back to come to church with us on a Sunday evening. And we're going to share testimonies of how God has worked. Of the people we've met. Of the people we've served. Of the people that we've been able to love. We're going to have opportunities to go into communities and love people. We're going to add life groups. We're going to strengthen life groups so that we build relationships. So that we're not just how you doing acquaintances on Sunday morning. But we're in each other's lives walking side by side. A cord of three strands not easily broken. And it's a journey of transformation, of walking with God and saying, God, here I am, broken as I am, but my eyes are on you. I want to be in the shelter of you, the Almighty. I want to see the battles you fight for us. I want to be available to be your instrument, to be 
your tool. And you say, well, how can you do that? Can I really step out of my comfort zone so much that, that I can become a servant to many? Well, I believe you can because the Lord says in Jeremiah 31.3, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. God says, you don't have to do anything. You just make yourself available to me. You say, Lord, here I am, Chris, reporting for duty. Here I am, whoever, reporting for duty. Lord, you take me. If you've given me breath, you've given me life, you've given me life, you've given me another chance to serve you. I may not can serve you the way I did 50 years ago, but I will serve you today. Somebody will know that God is love and that God loves me and that God is drawing them. Do you understand that that is how God feels about you? Intimately, personally, he says, I have loved you with a love that doesn't fail. I have always and I will always love you. My love for you has always been and my love for you will never end. He says, I love you. Nothing you can do, nothing you've ever done can change God's love for you. I'm in control. And your choices right now may require repentance. But God's love for you has never wavered. Our choices right now may require continued obedience. But God's love has not wavered. Our actions may cause us to have to step out of a place that we've been comfortable for a really long time. But God's love has never wavered. The scripture teaches his love never fails. And right where we are today on the first day of 2017, God says, I am here. I have been here all the time. And now I am waiting for you to join me. To wrap yourself in me. And be secure to love others because I have securely loved you. So as we approach 2017, we can can start it today. In fact, I believe, don't we have in the back Pure Water, Pure Love campaign that starts today where you put loose change and we send money to help people have water. If you want to start it right, take a water bottle. When you spend a dollar and you get 10 cents back, put that 10 cents in that bottle. And then on Valentine's Day or the week of Valentine's Day, the 12th, we're going to bring those back and we're going to have an opportunity to say, God, here is our offering. Use it to bring water to people. Every other week in 2017, we're going to open our gym to people to come. We're going to play basketball. We're going to share Christ. That is a way for you to be a part, to love people. In your life group, man, as we do life together, walking side by side, we're going to have moments where there is happiness and there's babies and we can give showers and we're going to have moments where there's death and we can provide grief and condolences and we can walk beside people we're going to have moments in life that happen but as we do life together in 2017 people will see God's love through us and it says if I'll be lifted up I will draw all men to me so father use us in 2017 teach us to dwell in your shelter to be still and know God, to sit back and allow you to love us. God, show us how to do good. 
to trust you, to not fret over those who are evildoers. And God, please help us not to be one. God, show us how to cultivate this faithfulness. God, to let our delight be in you. Oh, it's so easy, God, to get anxious. It's so easy to get um, discontent. But God, in you there's rest. In you there's power. And Lord, we need that. And we ask you for it. Thank you.